I'm not as happy as I want to be. And so I can keep working towards it and keep doing things I know will make me happy, playing video games, creating content, talking to people like you. Like, those are things that I know I can bring joy. And so I'll mm. keep working towards doing that. Finding the secret of happiness is just literally being in the pursuit of happiness. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Program Life Podcast, where we want our listeners, guests, and myself to learn something new. Every week, I bring in a guest who has a passion for topics related to productivity or mental health. And our guest on this episode today is Dustin Miller, who created the first modular degree in the effort of creating a polymathic education. He even has his own podcast, which for you guys who want to check it out, a link will be able will be available. A link will be available in the description. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode because we went over a variety of topics such as philosophy, ikigai, which is a Japanese ideology of happiness. We went over habits and systems and much more. So real quick, before this episode starts, if you're new here, I upload every week on Saturday morning EST as well as put out extra content on my blog such as my email newsletter and key takeaways on each episode. So if you want those goodies, just head over to my website which is programlife.org. Also, it would be great if you could head over and click that subscribe or follow button right now on whichever platform you're using to listen to this. And it only takes a second and you can be notified of all the great content that I provide you. And also, please just leave a rating and review telling me of what you liked in this episode the most or maybe what I can improve on. And it only just takes a second again, and it really helps to support the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at yogeshprabhu2 and also follow the Program Life Instagram page, which is program underscore life underscore, where I post daily content. Also, you can follow me on my Twitter at yogeshprabhu03. So that's enough plugging for me. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. All right, Dustin, I'm really excited to have you on the show as you created the first modular degree in the effort of creating a polymathic education. You all even have your own podcast, which for the listeners, if you want to check out, a link will be available in, in the description. And the podcast is called The Polymath Polycast. And before I get into these questions uh, today, I would like to first thank you for your time, Dustin, for coming on to the show. Thank you, Yogesh, for having me on. All right. So could you tell us briefly um, how you got to where you are now and also some key lessons that you learned from your journey? Man, I've been on so many shows. I've tried to explain it different ways each time to give everybody this kind of a unique perspective. But to put it in perspective, I started out with writing first back in what 2012, 2011 or something like that. I started my first blog and that got me into content creation. And that's why I mention it because it's just one of those things that was my first step into creating some sort of output. And over the years, I've learned about the get things done system or uh, para method and second brain. And it made me think, okay, it's about input and output. How much am I learning and actually doing with my life? How much am I putting out? And so I started doing written and then audio eventually too with my first podcast. But now I just call it a polycast because I don't really like the word podcast. It, it originates from iPods and Apple and I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. So I use polycast because it's much more apt. Poly meaning much or many. And I have many different series and topics and stuff like that on the show. 
And then eventually I did a foray into video as well. I've made over 160 videos on YouTube and over a thousand videos on TikTok. So I have experience in all three content mediums. And I realized more and more I could try to create a system that was efficient to make it all of them at once and repurpose Mm. them, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you call the system like a poly innovation operating system almost, right? (laughs) And could we like dive into that? Could you give us like a brief overview of what it is and an introduction to it? Yeah, I will say the system that I was referring to is my omni content system because of omni channel content marketing. But that mm-hmm. is part of the end, the output of the poly innovation operating system because I came up with this idea of self development through the four pillars philosophy actually first that was the first thing i came up with back when i was still doing my blog and that four pillars philosophy is something i've learned after studying many different philosophies from around the world you could even think of like the four areas of yoga or something like that where you focus on the mind body spirit and emotions those being your four pillars of your life and building those up that i realized Mm -hmm. in order to get those built up and implemented into your life you have to find ways of implementing systems and habits thinking in your life. So building new habits, creating systems from those habits and have that systems thinking as well. But in order to do that, you have to learn. So I had to learn systems thinking. I had to learn about habits. I had to read Atomic Habits, for example, and I had to go Mm -hmm. create my own education from that. And so you can see where I'm going here, where my history is actually reversed, but in the Poly Innovation OS, it starts out with education as a foundation, habits and systems as the consistency factor, the four pillars as the exponential factor. And I realized too, you need an output. So that's, that's where self-branding and just content came in where the Omni content that I mentioned earlier came into play. Mm, Yeah. And I think you also like have a base kind of um, level, which is education. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, like, why do you put it in this order? Like education habits and systems, and then, um, uh, philosophy and the four pillars obviously so why do you think like education is important to you and why is it in this specific order well i figured that you have if you're trying to get a new skill or something new in your life you have to learn about it so i teach swimming for example i have for almost a decade now and in order for people to learn they have to logically get what the movements do they have to be like okay if i kick it'll keep me from sinking if i move my arms it'll make me faster if i put my head down it won't strain my spine and so i came up with three steps to keep people moving eventually you can get them into new habits and new skills those habits of moving become so easy for you because you do it so much then you can learn how to breathe you can start doing more advanced movements that kind of thing and eventually Mm -hmm. you start getting into the physics and philosophy of swimming and that's what uh, that kind of is why i thought about the poly innovation os in that way because of my own experience as an expert in swimming that was the area that i knew well i knew how beginners looked at it i knew how experts looked at it and i knew how i looked at it as a holistic view and so as a skill you start out learning you start out implementing then you do implementing into your new habits and then you can start learning the philosophy while you're doing these things in this way and same thing goes for the Feynman technique when you're breaking things down when you're learning too you're breaking things mm-hmm. in the most abstract way And you certainly could start out like I did, where I did the philosophy first and then habits and then education. It is malleable that way. But I thought being the one who created it, this would be the most efficient way for people to do stuff. Mm -hmm. But everyone too is their own too. Yeah, honestly, I agree with you. I see it almost like, as as you said, logic comes first. And then like being able to 
habitize that almost like repeat that logic and almost like mm-hmm. um, be more efficient with it. And then finally getting into emotion philosophically, get into it. I hundred percent agree with you on that. And just to dive into more education a lot in this era, mm-hmm. like nowadays education seems a very like competitive and it can even hurt people sometimes. And Sure. Like people compare their scores. And I mean, we humans are naturally competitive by nature, but sometimes when it comes to learning and gaining knowledge, I feel that it shouldn't be taken in a competitive aspect and that it should be fine as long as you learn and you gain knowledge overall. What are your opinions on this competitive aspect of education in this world? And do you think it's right? If not, how would you change it and how would you face this problem? Well, and I would say too, my schooling as an adult is definitely more self-sufficient and autodidactic. So I never really experienced too much of the competition per se. I know mm-hmm. that what degree you have and where you got it from, that often has some implement like not implementations, but consequences in your life too. If mm-hmm. you get some low-level school, people might judge you on that. If you get an Ivy League school, you'll still get judged on it by the uh, other Ivy Leagues. And that's my knowledge for the U.S. places as well. But I know that that definitely qualifies for like India and you and the U.K. and that kind of thing too. I know there's a lot of competition in those countries when it comes to schools. And mm-hmm. so it's just it's interesting to think about how there is competition. I don't think it plays as much of a part as people think it does because that's mainly just opinions. Those are those people's opinions. You could always go somewhere else and people have different opinions. And maybe you can find someone on LinkedIn with the same school as you. And those will be a, that, that could be a recruiter for the place you want to work at. So you just have to move a certain different place and you'll be able to find that person. I, I, that's just one example per se, but like finding a better location, a better job, better person, and eventually the competition will fade away. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. yeah um definitely do agree on that like we shouldn't really like care about other people's opinions like as you said they're just mm-hmm. opinions yeah and i want to go on to the second bit of your operating system which is habits and systems mm-hmm. um could you like dive into like how it works and what it is essentially well, and that's the most underdeveloped part because for me, I built my habits and systems. And I think a good example is I'm a personal trainer. And so since I work at a gym, building a habit around exercise is a lot easier for me than most people. Although I still fail at it sometimes. With COVID last year, my gym was closed for a couple of months. So my work and workout systems were gone. And so I had to figure out a new way of building that habit. And I used to work out at home all the time. And so building a new habit from scratch would suck. But it technically wasn't from scratch because I've already done it in the past. So it's kind of like riding a bike anew. So for mm-hmm. me, it only took a couple of weeks to start building up new habits again. They weren't ideal. I wasn't going at the same level I was before the quarantine, but I still was working out only a couple of weeks into the quarantine. Whereas a lot of people didn't start working out until a couple of months into the quarantine. And when I came mm-hmm. back, a lot of my clients for my fitness classes or even personal training clients, they had a hard time adapting because their muscles weren't reacting the way they used to. Their bodies weren't necessarily as fit as they once were. And so building that habit up again was the first challenge before even getting into building up the exercise. And that goes to any kind of skill, for example. So learning, exercise, uh, let's say even just practicing guitar, that kind of thing. Any kind mm-hmm. of skill builds up over time. And so when people ask about the habits and systems, I often first refer to them to James Clear Atomic Habits. It's a fantastic book. talks a lot about how to break it down and get into the 
atomic level of your habits, essentially, yeah. and like breaking it down to the lowest point. I definitely want to create a better system for it. I definitely talk about it a bit more on my blog posts. And I'm actually looking at my Poly Innovation OS on Notion, which is a tool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Notion.so allows you to combine documents and tables and just overall a life operating system as they are referred to a lot of the time. And so I wanted to create a task-based system that could help build my habits over time. I can quantify it more. I can see like, hey, did I actually do my habits on these days? Check it off on that day for that week and actually quantify, am I doing my habits? There's actually a gamification project out there too, where they Mm -hmm. actually make it more gamified, which is pretty cool too. That's kind of where I would stop at the habits. Yeah, for sure. I've heard of the gamification project as well. And it's almost like it keeps you motivated to get on your habits and get on your feet again. And just talking about habits, what are habits to you? Like, what what do you define habits as? And why are they important to implement into our lives? Habits are the building blocks of systems. And our brains work as systems, especially if you're more systems thinking like myself, and I presume you are as well. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where everything you do ends up being a habit. And that's good or bad. You can think of it kind of like an hourglass. That's I usually actually refer to the four pillars as an hourglass because everything you do oftentimes is because of one of those few things. You're either learning because you want to build up the mind pillar. You're either pursuing philosophy because you're feeling some kind of spiritual hole and you want to fill it for something. Or perhaps you are doing something for the body. So you're going to exercise. Or maybe your emotions are out of whack. You're feeling depressed and you want to exercise or learn something to get out of that sad state and get into a happy state. So I often Mm -hmm. find that everything you do should go towards one of those areas in your life. And back Mm -hmm. to that hourglass analogy, it's kind of like a spiral. The more you do, the more it compounds. And the less you do, the more it compounds. And so mm-hmm. if you start screwing up one of your pillars, it's going to bring down the other pillars. If you start building up one of the pillars, like you start doing your exercise five days a week, your mind's going to be more enhanced. Like your body's going to be more efficient. So your brain's going to work better. Your spirituality is going to be better because you're going to have more grit whenever you're doing the exercise. Your body's obviously going to be better and your emotions are going to be better from the endorphins. It builds up all four pillars when you exercise. Maybe not as fast as some other things you could do, but it's one of the easiest habits to build because it's one of the most common. And there's plenty of resources on it as well. But the same thing happens the other way around. Let's say you get sick and that's not something you can really control per se. It starts bringing everything else down. Your mind starts to get foggy. Your body feels weak. Your emotions are probably going to be a little heavy because you're not doing the same things you're normally doing. And eventually spirituality is going to get hit too. And it can start really going down fast and going up kind of fast, but it goes down faster than it goes up. So I just want people to think about that kind of as a reverse tornado in a way. Hmm. Yeah. And like, what, like one of the amazing things about habits is that like people, some people don't understand is that like, since like even in this era where there's like, you know, news when there's COVID around and there's like lots of good stories as well, sometimes on the news. Mm-hmm. And we always, when, whenever we see this, like these stories on the news, um, we, we naturally think that, you know, for example, if there's like someone that became a billionaire or something, so we naturally tend to think that this guy became a billionaire because of just one moment or just because of this one thing that happened. He just, just became a billionaire in one day, but it usually isn't like that. It's usually because mm-hmm. there's a series of like different things that have happened in his life, like, like a series of small wins and like tiny breakthroughs that he's gone through. And 
I feel like habits is kind of similar and like, you know, as you yeah. like compound, as you said, like compound on those small wins. Well, I'm also thinking of an example as a gym this Sunday, literally this past Sunday, I did a hundred bench presses with a hundred pounds at the gym. Wow. Granted, it took it took me like an hour or something like that just doing that one mm. exercise, but I wanted to do it. This week, I've been trying to do – I did 100 squats the other day. I did 100 bench presses. I'm going to do 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, that kind of thing. And I did those 100 bench presses after doing exercises for the past decade. I started out yeah. when I was 15 or 16 and doing push-ups. That was my main thing, push-ups and light weights with dumbbells. And I did lightweight for seven years essentially. And just increase the reps or increase the speed. Rarely did I increase the intensity, but I realized this past couple of years that I was like, Hey, now I'm actually hitting the plateau. I'm not, my habits are no longer actually growing for me. They're just stagnant and I need to change my habits and change my systems into new, basically dramatically change it in order to see something different. So I started doing. Mm. Bars. I used the barbells. I started doing uh, overhead press more. I started doing bench press more, and I started curling with the bars more. That kind of thing. Like a couple weeks ago, I actually curled a hundred pounds, which was insane. Like I, I haven't been able to do that since before COVID, mm-hmm. but I had to build up to it. And so, in both cases, with the bench press or curls, I built up to it doing push-ups and then lightweight bench press, and then doing a lot of reps with bench press, but still have to build it up over time: twenty, fifty, then eventually a hundred. And again. It took a long time of calculated effort. Yeah, for sure. Like, like even for me, sometimes like um, there was one time where my friend like gave me his workout as well, his workout plan to go to the gym. And then I like you can't really just follow someone else's workout plan. You have to start small. And that's what I didn't realize before, because then after just one day at the gym, my arms, my legs, everything were so like was so sore. So, yeah, we, we have to take some small wins and eventually gain um, into the person that we want to become. All right. And just diving more into habits, um, what kind of habits would you say are important to have? And do you think there are some habits that everyone should try? And if so, what are they? Everyone should try exercise. That's first and Mm. foremost. Like I said, it's one of the most common ways of building up all four pillars. And I mean, if you look at yoga too, exercise is one of the main ways to get into spiritual development or physical development, depending on which area of yoga you're looking into. And I use that mm-hmm. as a way because the four pillars is pretty simple. People see it, they hear it, they're like, okay, I understand what you're going for. But it is technically new. I made it to be a modern equivalent of old philosophy. So I try to use yoga or uh, Aristotle's principles in life and those kind of older ways of thinking too to kind of contextualize it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to ex- like when it comes to systems or habits, I think exercise is one of the first ones. Starting to learn and read is definitely another one. That's why the modular degree comes first in the system because I think you need to learn more. Everybody does not know enough. I do not know enough. And if you pick the random topic, I could probably talk about it. And that's the thing. Like I tried to be very like, that might be the polymath in me, but I definitely have a cocktail knowledge of many different areas, let alone deep level knowledge and things like swimming or systems or notion, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that expanding your horizons, being more than just a specialist, those are the habits you should try to build up because people are conformed to specialty because of how our society has been globally, really, for the past hundred years, especially in the US though. We, we mm-hmm. kind of cater to specialists, but naturally humans are more polymathic. And there's actual science based for that when it comes to the Homo sapiens evolution, but that's a whole other tangent. 
But what I'm saying is that indulging in your curiosity is a polymathic thing, but it's also a human thing. And so if you do more habits, it's, it's a skill. They might have to chop mm-hmm. this up a little bit better because I'm not explaining this super well. But curiosity is a skill, and you have to treat it like a skill and treat it like a habit and try to indulge in it more often and basically act like you're exercising your curiosity. Mm. Yeah. And I guess one of the biggest, like, I guess – roadblocks when it comes to habits and systems would be motivation how do we actually stay fully motivated for like like as you said like for you to get to where you are now like what you're doing at the gym it took you a whole decade or like it took you a long time and how do we actually like stay motivated for that long Motivation is a myth, and I'm stealing that from some YouTube video I saw a long time ago, but Mm -hmm. motivation is a myth. Like You're only going to have motivation by doing things, and let me be honest here. I don't usually have motivation. I've been really having a hard time as of late because my energy has been lacking. I've been focusing on work more than my content creation, and so I'm behind on releasing episodes for my show. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I need to get better at it. And there's no way of getting better at it than just doing it. Eat the frog, as they say in a lot of productivity books. Mm -hmm. And so keeping track of things, creating systems. Oh, what is it August Bradley Bradley said? He said, uh, we fall down to our systems. That's paraphrasing. He said it a little bit better than I can right now. But basically, we don't rise to our systems level. We fall down to our systems level. We fall down to the whatever the level our systems are. So if our, our systems are non-existent, then you're going to keep falling. And you're not going to have much to catch you. When you create systems mm-hmm. like in Notion, for example, I wanted to make sure I have this podcast in my database for my the shows I'm on. I keep track of every show I'm on. I put it on a page on my website, that kind of thing. And so even as we were talking, I was like, I can't forget to do this because otherwise I'm going to feel really bad. I, I'm not going to ever forget. But my point is I took the name and the uh, for your host name and that kind of thing, put it in my database. And so that way, if I ever forget that I was on it, I need to double check with you. It's like, Hey, when is this episode coming out? I could be like, okay, you'll guess, can you hit me up and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've ha- I'm really glad I did because there's a few shows that if I had not contacted the host, they would never have gone out. And so we fall to our systems level. And if you could build up the systems that raises our level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually really uh, that's actually a good way to say it. And just now moving on to the four pillars, as you've been mentioning over over the uh, over this episode, which is the body, mind, spirit, and emotions, as you said. Um, could you dive into like each of these four pillars and what they really mean and how they connect with each other as well? Sure. I think really the biggest thing is understanding that Everything in life is connected, and my personal principle in life is balance. And I think that's why I've been so obsessed with the four pillars idea, because I've always tried to maintain a balance between all four. And really, life is a journey to understand our four pillars over the life, because we're never going to finish self-development. It's just not something Mm -hmm. that can really happen. And I think a good example as to why it's so important is that one of the first interviews I was ever on, I was asked a question that completely dumbfounded me and I couldn't give an answer. And that was, why should we pursue self-development? And to me, that seems so ridiculous of a question. Like, of course we should, should pursue it. We should, we need mm. to. Our bodies need to exercise. Our minds need to be stimulated. Our spirit needs to be grown. Our emotions need to be aware of it. 
emotional intelligence is no joke. And it's one of those things where over the past 15 years, you can see on business websites, they're like, hey, EQ is the, the next best thing when it comes to how people are going to hire you. Mm-hmm. That's because how you understand people and how you understand the emotional logic that people have and or lack thereof of logic too, no less, that builds up your intelligence and your emotional awareness of others. And so that's just the emotions pillar, let alone spiritual the spirituality, which I don't necessarily attribute to religion, but some people might find their own growth through religion. For me, I find it through meditation and reading philosophy and talking to people, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And I guess I wanted to also ask you, like, how does all of these, like, big three, like, parts or big three sections of our our life or, like, our operating system or the poly innovation system, how do these three which is the philosophy and the four pillars the habits and systems and the education how do they all three like connect with each other and how do this how does it flow with each other i guess i sort of alluded to it at the beginning but essentially you get the foundation of that education like whatever skill you are learning whether it is literally the skill of learning the four pillars for example or learning how to podcast or learning how to do videos for example I love people. I'm a gregarious person. I like talking to people. I'm sure you probably can't tell, but mm-hmm. like, it's one of those things where I actually like talking and, and yet I could not get myself to go on camera at all for the first couple of years of doing podcasting that I did. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with that. And it literally was just a practice of sheer will of like, Hey, make a video after video after video. Same with audio too. Our bot, our ears pick up the vibrations from our bones when we speak to, so when we speak out loud to ourselves, we hear a deeper version of our voice. So when we hear we're recording, we no longer hear the bone conduction. Our voices sound lighter, higher pitch. And that's why our voices sound so weird on recordings and we don't like hearing it. But eventually mm, it's a skill yeah. that you learn to get past. And so you start, whether it's as simple as that, learning to be comfortable on camera or learning how to play a new video game or learning the ins and outs of exercise and how we're big, it could be a PhD for all I care, medical school. That's a big like wide range of skills, but all part of that big umbrella, for example. And so it could be a skill, it could be a trade, whatever it is, it all comes down to learning and then how you actually put it into your life. So what habits are you taking to implement your new skill of podcasting? Are you doing an interview a week? Are you making sure you're learning how to edit before you delegate the editing to someone else? Are you making sure that you know how to record or introduce? Like you and I went straight into the recording, but some people do a little chat first because if I was nervous, you wouldn't want me to be nervous on the call. So talking back and forth, which obviously we didn't need to, but talking back and forth would help alleviate that nervousness a little bit. And then some people actually just start recording once the person starts feeling good and they don't tell them until a little bit later, like, hey, we're actually on it. But that's kind of, again, going back to emotional intelligence, reading the other person. And then eventually your habits become systems. You do it so often, it becomes ingrained in your brain. That muscle Mm. memory, for example, riding a bike or swimming, your body just remembers for the most part. And that's the neuromuscular connection. It's not actual memory in the muscles. It's just the brain remembering to fire the signals at that particular time. Beyond that, you have the four pillars, which is just a broader version of the last two sections of the poly-innovation system. It's just a way of thinking about it in a more philosophical or why context. Why are you doing Mm. these things? Why are you building these habits? Why are you learning that skill? Is it towards one of the areas of your life? That kind of thing. Yeah. And also, I was just looking at your website and you 
did you do mention like you say use philosophy and data together what do you exactly like mean by that and you know how do we actually like is like how does it actually improve ourselves in a way well i sort of answered that with the notion earlier keeping track of your habits mm-hmm. like for example drinking water every day i try to do my best to do it but it's one of those things where having simple reminders will be helpful and notion allows you to do reminders or have ways of tracking your habits that kind of thing and if you can't quantify something, how do you know it's working? And that's why. Like basically, that's that's literally why right there. If you can't quantify it, you don't know what you're doing is working or not. I don't actually mm-hmm. track my reps very much when it comes to exercise, which as a personal trainer, a lot of people will be like, dang, that's not good. Dustin, you don't know what your PR is. Like, I do know what PR is because I can feel it. I know it. Mm-hmm. I know that if I reach my limits, I can go past it a little bit. But it's just one of those things where that's the grit. It's the spiritual development that I mentioned earlier. Like, there was one day I did 300 push-ups in one city. And that was like a couple years back. And I didn't do them in a row. I took breaks. But I did it all in one workout, 300 push-ups. And around 240, my arms gave out. And like literally, like mm-hmm. I just could not push up anymore. I had already fallen on my face three times at that point. But the mm-hmm. lactic acid had built up in my muscles so much that my arms were numb, literally mm-hmm. numb. But I told myself I had 15 minutes left before I had to go teach a fitness swimming lesson or something like that. And I was like, you got to get it done. You can't leave here. You've, you've been trying to do this for a while. You got to get it done. And I told myself, okay, you're not leaving until you do it, even if you're late for your lesson keep doing the push-ups and that act of will that grit the spiritual development that i had from after doing this for so long mm-hmm. allowed me to get into a fight or flight state so the adrenaline kicked in and i was able to crank out the last 60 as if i just started over for the first time because my body was ready to go and i had no choice my my spirituality my grit took over the body i'm not sure if that really answers your question about tracking and why but that's more of the as to why I have the four pillars there. But Mm. if I hadn't tracked the amount of reps I had done over at least in a sort of way, like I had known I could do a max of this amount or this is how much I can do per set. This is how much I can do per workout. I need to increase my overall max. That's still technically data. It's not very detailed data. It's very overarching and kind of simple. Like, Hey, it's just a, a number that I reached at some points. I wouldn't have known that 300 would be my limit or 240. 240 was at my actual quote unquote mm. limit, but I pushed past it. That's the thing. I needed to know what data it was in order to actually increase my skill in that area. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. But also that I just kind of popped up with another question, which is when you like, as you said, when you were like doing those pushups and when you were like going through almost your limit, but then um, you almost kind of like, flourished through that and made a new limit like that you had that and that you discovered would you say like you pushing through that limit would you say it's more of a mindset kind of thing or would you say it's just like you just do it like like how would you how would other people like not give up easily i guess how would you stop trying to give up oh, easily? I, I wanted to give up i wanted to go stop and go teach my class i was like 240 that's good no it's not good enough so it is a mindset like hey mm-hmm. like you can't just give up and say, oh, that's good enough. You have to still keep going. You have to eat the frog, as they say. And I'm going to refer to David Goggins here when it comes to pushing past your limits. Like uh, He started training some serial entrepreneur, Jesse or something like that. I can't remember the name. But they literally went to the gym for the first time. And like Jesse was like, I want you to train me. And they're like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And he's like, like, okay, let's see how many push-ups you can do. And he's like, he did like 
six struggling. And he's like, okay, keep going. Did a couple more. Okay, keep going. And that continued until Jesse did 100, which he had never done before. And it was one of those things where he thought he would have been done at like 10. Like he was struggling just to get to eight and nine, let alone 10. But you took a break. You keep going. That's what happened to me this last Sunday with bench presses. At some points, I was doing sets of five. And eventually, I had to go down to sets of one. I went back to sets of three. It just depends on like what you're feeling. But you have to understand how your body's feeling, how your mind's feeling. Are you getting burned out? Are you using grit? Or are you just using your systems? Like, hey, I know if I take a five-minute break with some water, I can go back into it. So it's a combination of all of that. Mental, mm. emotional. It's exciting, too. Yeah. And another question is like, when you, what is like the goal of your whole operating system? I guess, like, what would you say is the main goal that when a person like, like follows your operating system or like follows the poly innovation operating system, what, what would you say would be the end goal or if there is end goal? It goes back to that question I was asked, like, why should we pursue self-development? It's inherently in our nature to learn. It's in our our nature to improve and do new things. And Mm. whenever you don't, you're going against your nature in a way. Now, some people might disagree and whatnot, but I think that that really is true. It is our nature to grow and improve and keep doing new things. And when you stop, you become stagnant. And when you become stagnant, you become not really who you are, not truly who you are. And I've met people mm-hmm. who just stop doing things with their life. They stop doing anything productive, so to speak. And it's just frustrating to me because I'm like, why can you settle in that? And I mean, granted, if you don't have the emotional awareness for it, I understand that. Maybe you don't f- physically have the energy to move, which I've definitely been there. But again, it goes back to that hourglass ideal too. Like the more you do, the more you can do. And the more you can do, the more you can do again. And so it goes like, like it compounds. The more you're able to improve yourself, the more you're able to do in the future. Like I want to do parkour one day and I know I physically have the muscles for it, but do I have the dexterity or con- constitution and being able to have the endurance of it? I used to do some crazy things on the monkey bars, but there's people who are doing like flips and crab and muscle ups all on these mo- monkey bars. And I'm like, oh man. Or like the human flag is a move that I don't think I can even do in the next five years. But who knows what I can do? Maybe if I work towards it, it's like when you're hor- like you're when you're parallel to the floor essentially, and they're mm. hanging off of one bar. Like you're literally just hanging sideways. It's ridiculous. And there's so many physical movements that I want to be able to do one day. And can I do it? Sure, but only because I have that previous experience do i know that someone who might be weaker than me might have even better experience at doing that but we don't know and you can only know by building yourself up Mm -hmm. yeah and i guess when it comes i also want to kind of delve into the topic of happiness if you're okay with that and sure um i guess in your opinion would you say learning or like, as you say, following this operating system or getting to the end goal would make us happy. Like, what what do you think happiness is, in your opinion? Finding your ikigai. And that's kind of a cheap way for me to say it, but your ikigai is your reason for being. It's a Japanese concept that takes after the ideas of what is your vocation, what are you good at, what do you enjoy, and what does the world need? Mm. 
And whenever you combine those four areas and really find like what you're good at and what you can make money off of and what the people actually need in the world, then you feel fulfilled. And finding that, I think, is what you can get true happiness from. But understanding that in some cases, you might not be able to find it. Some people don't find it until the end of their life. And if you don't keep trying, then you won't eventually find it. And I feel like I knew what I wanted to do pretty early on. Who's to say I'm happy now? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm more happy than I was before. But I'm not as happy as I want to be. And so I can keep working towards it and keep doing things I know will make me happy, playing video games, creating content, talking to people like you. Like Those are things that I know can bring joy. And so I'll mm. keep working towards doing that. Finding the secret of happiness is just literally being in the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, that's a really good one. And I guess what would you what would you say are your like favorite go to recommendations, as in books about philosophy and habits and systems? And what did you learn from them? Well, I mentioned a couple earlier, like Atomic Habits or, or a book by David Goggins, too. I don't remember what it's called, Undefeatable or something like that. One book I always mention is The Tao of Physics, Fritoff Capra, I think is his name. And he talks about the balance between science and philosophy. And that's where mm. I, that's one of the biggest influ- influences for me when it came to balance. But Yun and Yang and Chinese philosophy, there's also just, even in, Western philosophies, there's a lot of talk about balance. And so no matter where you're looking at, there's always some mention of balance. And I think that those are a lot of the ways of actually pursuing your development is finding a ways to like build yourself up, but also keep yourself modest and that kind of thing. And so the Tao of Physics is a great way. Let me look at my bookshelf real quick too. A book called Emotional Awareness. And so it's by the Dalai Lama and Paul Ekman. Paul Ekman is one of the mm. like, world-leading experts when it comes to like microexpressions and body language. And so he's pure science. And then obviously the Dalai Lama is pretty pure philosophy. But both of them were able to extend their open-mindedness to each other. So even though Paul is – Dr. Ekman is more of a – science-based person, he was able to open his mind up to the philosophy, the why of it. And then the Dalai Lama is always super open-minded too. He tried to listen to the how of why we do things. Like how does someone process it in the psychology or neuroscience behind it? And so it balances science and philosophy together as well. Mm. Okay. And I guess um, when it comes to the philosophical side of things, I really believe and i really like the um, concept of stoicism Mm -hmm. and um i just wanted to ask you what you think of it and also you know what your opinions are on on things on concepts such as the dichotomy of control and things like that it's more of an illusion of control and i definitely like stoicism stoicism and taoism are my two favorite philosophies i would say Mm. but i still have a lot to learn in both, I would argue. Despite the fact I might know more than most, I definitely want to make sure I don't have too much confidence in it because it's, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where it's a limitation. Having artificial limitations as well definitely help make you grow more. And so whether it's the wisdom or justice or courage, I've always felt that living justly is important. And so as a lifeguard in my old like work life, I used to see things happen because of how the city runs the aquatics department, for example, or mm. at various jobs I've had over the years. I've held a dozen different, over a dozen different roles for half a dozen different employers, and I'm still a young lad. And so the thing is, 
understanding like how people should be treated and then seeing it not be that way because of how corporations treat their employees it made me feel like I had to act out. And so I got in trouble for it a lot of the times too, because I felt like things needed to happen. And I think that was a stoicism coming out of me and pursuing wisdom and trying to understand that there is more to learn. There is more you can do and the more to understand, especially understand about yourself. Like that's why I created the mantra of grief for the most part too, is trying to pursue more knowledge, more, more wisdom. And those are not interchangeable either. So that's kind of my opinion on that. Mm, yeah. And I guess, when it comes to just tracking back to um, habits and systems again, um, I guess when it comes to habits and systems, we also need like a certain um, level of focus when we do um, tasks over and over again, and not just motivation as well. So, what would you say are your what would you say is your advice for people to like you know level up their game on focus and um, I guess flow as well. Oh, we can definitely get into flow, but I'll, I'll take a line from Stoicism real quick too. A person who accepts what happens without complaining or showing emotion. I think that's a good way of just kind of going about just eating the frog. Again, as they say in like a lot of productivity circles, sometimes mm-hmm. you literally just have to do it. Like I have to go and finish editing this next interview that I need to get out a couple of days ago. I'm already a couple of days late for it. And it's one of the things where not only was I procrastinating, but I was also sick earlier this week. So I have an excuse. And so I shouldn't be complaining, but I do, I do need to complain. I'm complaining about my laziness and my ability to get things out. Mm. And so the other thing I would say too is that when you're pursuing new skills and new things, you're not always going to like doing it. I don't sit there and like feeling the pain of doing exercise. Actually, that's kind of a lie. I do get a little uh, masochist or sadistic about it. Like, like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling the pain. It means I'm doing something. And so, But that came after a decade of doing it where I'm just like, okay, if you feel that soreness, if you feel that kind of weakness in your arms, it means you did something. It means your body's mm. reacting to it. And so that makes me excited now. But it took a long time before that to happen. It sucked doing push-ups mm-hmm. and then falling on your face, almost breaking your nose because you're falling so fast. Your arms <laughs> just give out. Um, in fact, when I did those 100 bench presses this weekend, my arms gave out at least four times. And I had to call somebody over to either help pick it up or I had to like put it on the lower shelf so I wouldn't crush my <laughs> sternum. <laughs> and my arms literally could not extend, but that's because I needed to take a longer break. I understand that I, I had time. I did not complain about it. I did show emotion. I got excited. I was like, dang, okay, I did something. Let's take a break. I got excited that I did something. But if you can just keep pushing through it, that's, the, I think, what your answer to your question is. Mm, all right. Now, I guess to wrap this episode up, I would like to ask you, one last question, and like I always do at the end of each episode, I relate it to a topic that we talked about today, uh, back to a favorite quote of mine. And I want to know your opinion on this quote, which links to the topic we talked about earlier, which is habits and systems. So the quote goes, habits are not a finish line to be crossed. They are a lifestyle to be lived by James Clear, as you mentioned, the author of Atomic Habits. So what is your opinion on this quote and how does it apply to your life and the work that you do? Well, it's interesting how like when you sent me the page ahead of time, I read that quote, but it didn't necessarily register in my head. But it was one of those things where half the stuff I talked about today 
goes along the same lines of what he's saying there. It's not a finish line. You have to just keep going. Like I did a hundred bench presses today. I might not do that again for a long time, but I'm certainly going to keep going and keep doing new ways of doing bench pressing. There's always more variables you can change. And that goes for anything too, let alone exercise. And so it's not a finish line. You're not trying to get done. You're just trying to do something now. I did do it again some type of time, some different way and do it again, some other different way in the future too. whatever works. And as he said, it is a lifestyle to live. That's the whole point. That's why mm. I, I was dumbfounded when that other person asked me, like, hey, why should we pursue self-development? Because it's literally our lifestyle as human beings. Yeah. We desire growth. We desire change. We desire happiness. Yeah, honestly, I agree with you. And again, thank you so much for coming on to the show, Dustin. Thank you for having me.